So welcome to the Now Spinning Magazine podcast with me, Phil Aston. And on this episode, I'm absolutely delighted to have with me Dougie White, one of the finest rock vocalists around, having played with Richie Blackmore's Rainbow, Ingwe Malstein, I think I pronounced that right for the first time in my life, and Michael Schenker. You didn't, actually. <laughs> I, I said to I said to my wife, I said, the chances of me getting this correct is slim. Please, Dougie. <laughs> uh, it's Ingwe Malmsteen. No, no, it's no. Ingve. Ingve. Malmsteen. Malmsteen. Malm. Malm. Malmsteen. Malmsteen. Ingve Malmsteen. Thank you. This, considering I've got so many of his albums behind me somewhere, and of course, Michael Schenker. And and your most recent project, of course, Alcatraz. Yeah. Now, the new album, Take No Prisoners, is out very soon, or is it out already? So, no. It came, it's out out now. Out, it came out on Friday. And it's a Take No Prisoners heavy metal album, um, which I'm going to, which is fantastic. I've been listening to it. Did you hear it? Yeah, I've heard it. Yes. Good. I've got it um, near me, and um, I absolutely love it. I'm going to talk about that um, very, very soon. But I just want to dip into your past a little bit. Now, I might be, <laughs> I might, this might be incorrect, but I was a member of the Deep Purple Appreciation Society in the late 70s. And I believe so were you. Yes, I was. I had the, I had the wee badge with, with Richie's face on it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I had that. I was, I was a member of that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I had the feeling that you were. Uh, and um, that, that and that and the Bruce Lee fan club. I wasn't in that one. Okay. Um, <laughs> that what was it about? Because um, obviously back there in the seventies, many of us joined these fan clubs because we couldn't. There was no internet, uh, no social media. So to get closer mm. to our rock and roll idols, the fanzine was the way to do it. What was it about Deep Purple in particular that drew you into them? Uh, it, it, the first Deep Purple album I ever heard was "Come Taste the Band," Ooh. and I just and my brother, my brother, and I, we were just we were just kids. I, I think I was fifteen and he was thirteen or something. Yeah. But we used to sing together at church, and 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 when we heard Coverdale and Hughes together on "Come Taste the Band," it was like wow, listen to those voices. Yeah, and so the next week. My mate Kenny Johnson brought in Burn with the same voices, but a different guitar player. And I was like, oh, my God, that guitar player is unbelievable. And he went, oh, you like that? Okay, here's Made in Japan, which is just behind you there. <laughs> yeah. Right? And, and I was like, oh, my God, who's that singer? And, 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 and when you're that young, you know, you're like a sponge. You just kind of soak it all in. And, yeah. and, and because music... Music, I, I think honestly, I think music meant much more to us back then than it does now. It's very hit or miss because you always, you would go out and you'd you'd work your milk round or your paper round and get your paper money, and then you would go and you would buy the album of your choice, maybe that month, you know, and that's how yeah. much it was, and you'd play it to death, and yes. you knew everything about it. Um, nowadays, you can just and and what I liked as well was the way that the um, the albums were structured, because that's the way the artist wanted you to hear it, right? You know, from Stormbringer, you know, to, through to Soldier of Fortune, and you had to flip it over. 
you couldn't just skip through it. And so you got so, I think, well, for me anyway, I got so much more out of the music than that than I do these days, where you can just go, okay, well, I'll put on this album. Nah, I don't like that song. Nah, I don't like that song. And the choices are are massive now. The choices are massive, and I don't. And and, and but I'm an old man now, so you know, I, I, you know, my 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 music will always go from you know from the Monkees and the Beatles and David Bowie to Deep Purple, ACDC, Black Sabbath, with and without whatever singer they had. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I, you know, and 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 I don't really listen. To music very much anymore, just because I've heard it all and I've heard the best. I know what you. I know what you mean because uh, similar. I I would buy one album a month because that's all I could really afford. Of course, and then I would devour that album. So I could tell you what track three was on side two, who produced yeah. it, who engineered it, and where it was recorded, and and visualize all the photographs on the cover in my head. Yeah. Um, and whereas now I can buy a box set with 19 albums in and I can't remember what one I've played and what I haven't. No, <laughs> I, I, no, I, I agree. Um, my my wee mate, I, I mentioned him earlier, Kenny Johnson, he lent me his copy of Stormbringer while I was trolling all of this. Yeah. And I had a wee Phillips um, record player. But the needle scratched the record. Right. Mm-hmm. And for years and years and years, I had never heard Stormbringer or Lady Double Deal- Dealer, which starts the second side in its entirety. Because of the so scratch. When I, got, when I bought the CD, I was like, oh my God, I missed so much because it used to jump. Do you remember they used to jump? Yeah, yeah, I do indeed. <laughs> So, Pop, obviously you were immersed in, you know, three of the finest rock vocalists of all time with Gillen, um, Coverdale and Hughes. But who who else was an influence on you? Because your your voice has got lots of light and shade. You, you can sing and you can rock out with any of the well-known rock singers, but you also have this very gentle way of interpreting songs. I'm thinking in particular the way you interpreted Temple of the King. You sing that beautifully um, you. and you've got, and it's whereas I think in the hands of some other rock singers, it would just be like full on turned up to 11. But you you have a lot of soul in your approach to that. What? Who else were you listening to in your formative years? Uh, Lou Graham. Oh, yeah. Foreign, yeah. Um, and and, 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 the, and at the start of the 80s, Michael McDonald. Oh, Doobies. Yeah, 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 yeah. But after he'd left the doobies, yeah, um, Michael McDonald, James Taylor, Billy Joel, and these guys all had. I never. I I, I always look for somebody that whose voice I enjoyed. There's a lot. Neil Young's not the best singer in the world, right? Yeah, but he has something. He has his own sound. He just has something. Yeah, and that's what makes these guys unique. Um. But I just I just stole from the best and 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 put it in a blender and it came out like this and I'm just about to do a, a tour with a band and I was listening to the stuff today and it's an acoustic tour. Excuse me, sorry. It's okay. Um, and it's an acoustic tour of Iron Maiden songs. Really? Yep. And and, and um, so they've asked me to do that and and I said okay and I was listening to it. 
And I'm thinking, my God, you know, I could I, I could do Bowie over this, you know. Yeah. Because yeah. it's it's got it's got all that sort of jazzy piano and just guitar and drums, you know. And I'm I'm thinking, what voice can I find that works? Because I remember, I remember, and I'll not, I'll drop a couple of names here, but uh, Bruce and Ronnie and I sat at Glass uh, at Grass Pop in Belgium, and we were all sitting there. And Ronnie just said to me, "You know, once you're in this metal groove, you can never leave. You know, because because we're not Bowie. You know, we're not Peter Gabriel, and people, and it won't, it just won't work." And I know Bruce tried to do it um, with his his first solo album that never got released. It was called First Offense. And he was going off and experimenting. And nobody gave a shit. It never even got released because nobody gave a shit. You, you know, you, because, he's a me- because he's the me- he's the metal yeah. master these days. Yeah, that's, I mean, do you do you feel that going back to our, the early days of like the diversity in a lot of rock albums? I mean, like for instance, Sin After Sin by Judas Priest. Um, it's it's a very diverse album with last rose of summer and you know lots of different things. Whereas now, if you if you're a heavy metal band, then every track has to be a heavy, heavy metal, metal song, doesn't yeah. it? You know, yeah. when when Priest tried to do Nostradamus all those few years ago, the fans just thought, nah. Um, I toured with them on <laughs> that tour with with a band called Tank. Yeah, and I'd like and, and if I can, I'd, you know, yeah. Algie Ward, who yes. was the founder of Tank. I uh, Algie died. Uh, last week, ten days ago. So, so I just like to uh, to pay uh, a wee bit of homage to him. I mean, yes, I never absolutely. met the man, and mm-hmm. he was very ungracious to me all the time. So I should have hated him. <laughs> but, but, but he wrote some great songs, you know, and 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 he was a force of nature. And and we've lost another one of the UK's great uh, performers. Yeah, I totally agree. Thank you for thank you for that, Dougie. Now you had you had some. We enter the mid eighties, I think, if I've got this right. You got La Paz and Midnight Blue were two yep. of your early bands, and then um, you you send a demo tape off in the early nineties to Richie Blackmore's management, or to but Candice finds this tape. I'm just trying to picture this because this is before the internet. Blackmore has has jumped away from Deep Purple, and you have. Again, with your history of being a, an ultra, an uber fan all those years ago, of what was the? Did you think I could do that? You might be looking for somebody. Oh, just I, like I, me. I always knew I could do it. Yeah, I always knew I could do it because all these guys were from Purple and Rainbow were 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 the ones that I sort of, including Lou Graham and other and a couple of other guys. But these were the guys that I learned all my chops from because they were all very different. You know, the only one that I could I could never master as because he's so intense is, is Graham Bonnet. You know, he's so you know, his vocals are utterly unique. Utterly unique. You know, Ian Gillen is Elvis, David Coverdale is Paul Rogers. Glenn Hughes is Stevie Wonder, yeah. Roland Turner is you, Lou Graham. Yeah. So if you take if if so as Doogie White, I took all of those guys, put them in a pot, mixed it around, came out, and that's what I did. I had no issue with me going and joining Rainbow. Not 
arrogantly, but I knew every song that he ever wrote better than he did. Fantastic. I mean, when you when you went for the audition and you got the job, were you were you still a, were you the fan, or do you just see oh yourself God, as? Yes. I mean, but I mean, obviously, you weren't following him around with copy of in, uh, in rock under your sleeve, saying, "Do you mind signing this?" When he went up to get a coffee. No, 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 uh, <laughs> no, 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 no. I was never that. I, I, I was. It, it was never. It was never that bad for me. Well, I never had any money. And the, the thing about the thing about Richie was that you would go and see him and, and I would buy tickets for two nights and he'd play in Edinburgh for two nights. And one night he would be absolutely rubbish. Yeah. I mean, rubbish. Yeah, I know. I saw him in Birmingham. He'd do one night was brilliant. The next night he was. And, and the next good. night he was. And then the next day he'd be astonishing. Yeah. yeah. You know, and, and, and I was lucky enough. I was lucky enough to work with him when he was absolutely on his uh, third set of fire. You know, he was really on fire when 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 we worked together. He, I don't know that he thinks he's got anything to prove because he is one of the greatest guitar players of all time, right? Yeah, totally. But he was walking away from a band he created. And he was walking away from it, and he just went, "I'm going to just go out and blast these people's heads off." And he, and 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 I'm I'd be surprised out of the I don't know how many shows we did, but I, there was none that I would think were were subpar in playing, uh, his playing, or indeed the band because the band he picked really good players, and 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 you know Greg Smith, Chuck Burgey, Paul Morris, you know. And, and and they just knew they could see and we could all read it and that all worked really well. Whereas with the last version of the band that he had that I saw, they all looked terrified. Yeah, I, I agree. Obviously, I've seen videos of you of you and obviously the last version of the band. But and obviously I think again because of the your singing style, because of the you know the Lou Graham and you know and all the different things you listen to. He had somebody who could sing from any period in Rainbow, uh, whereas, you know, Jolene Turner, great vocalist, but I think he would have struggled more. Sing- well, I know he was in Purple when they did Burn in the in the set, but I think watching you and listening to you sing Burn, you your voice suited that. As you said, you you were, you weren't channeling Coverdale, you were channeling yourself. It's your yes. own, it's your own, it's your own um footprint on that if you like it's fantastic but again going back to going back to temple of the king because that was a blackmore played that live in that that tour yeah beautifully yeah and you sang it fantastically as well did and that was a song that he hadn't done live before i don't think did you have any did the band have any input on on the songs to choose or was it all him did he say we're going to do this well temple of the king temple of the king came round because richie he didn't invite me. He told me I had to come over to America uh, <laughs> in the summer uh, uh, at Christmas, nineteen ninety four, uh, to be his Christmas party, and we and we were to go down to his uh, bar. Yeah, yeah. In his house. Yeah. And 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 play to his forty, his forty invited guests. And he said, "Do you know Temple of the King?" I went, "Of course I do." And that's where it's that's where that came from. Ah, and the reason the, 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 if 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 you see it or or if you listen to it, it's not quite complete because we never really did it. Yeah, it was just a jam, and all of a yeah. sudden it just it, it kind of lost the place. Um, 
It's I do it now. I do it in every show, every solo show I do, and I've got a, I've got a good version worked out for it. Um, that pays tribute to all the former members of Rainbow who are no longer with us. Yeah, and it, and, yeah. and, and, it and, and it and it works. You know, and it's not just for them. You know, it's for you know we lost a lot of people during COVID, and we lost a lot of people. You know, because we're getting old, and and and. And and people sing along with it and and and, and love it. Because when you were when you were with Rainbow, you were obviously you were a young man. Um, you know, early four uh, man. Yeah, yeah, but in the rock and roll uh, arena, um, and it's interesting how it's how it changes. I remember taking my wife Sue to see Ian Gillen when he was out out of Deep Purple and saying, "Look at him, Sue. He's nearly 50. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I know. Oh, and, now, oh, and now that's still out, still out there, and he's nearly eighty. God. Well, I went. We were while we were working on the Stranger and in a Zoll album. Um, it was Richie's fiftieth birthday. Yeah, and, and and you know, and I and I thought, oh bloody hell! And he was going, I'm an old man now, you know. Um, and you think, and you look back now, and you think, Jesus, I'm sixty three years old now. It's a long time ago. You know, you, it's it doesn't kill the passion and it doesn't kill the groove. And and yeah. you know, guys like Jeff Beck and Dave Gilmore and uh, you know, there are loads loads of great old old by age older guitar yeah. players. You know, I mean, Jeff's obviously gone now, but you know, the, and these guys play great. Um. Richie's heart's just not in the rock and roll anymore. I mean, he still, when he plays the acoustic, he plays magically. Yeah. When, I he, think plays he, the, yeah. when he plays the electric, he just sits and goes. And I could, and I could, and I know him, you know. I mean, we spent months and months together and we spent three years on the road. And, and, I, and I look at him and I watched him in Birmingham and I just thought, you really don't want to be here, mate, but you're making. You know, and it's sad that it's 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 about the money because he was always about the music and all about trying to find the best band. And he picked the worst band he had. I mean, Romero's Romero's great. Don't yeah, get me wrong, he's great. Yeah, you know, and and but when your thirty-four year old singer is kicking your ass on the stage, you got to be a wee bit worried, you know. Yeah, I mean, did but you give feel- him a career? Well. And that's, uh, I think, uh, that, and you've, I think you've said that elsewhere. Is Blackmore has given, has been a springboard for many people's careers. Yes, he has. The, you know, he's he's been very good at that, um, at, at discovering people. Do you feel that towards the end of the um, Stranger in a Sword tour, that the not so much the fire was going out for him, but his eyes were somewhere else, as Ian yes. Gillen would say, his eyes, were, one eye on Morocco, isn't it? <laughs> he was probably thinking, I want to do something else. I've, I've rocked as hard as I can. Um. Well, what he said to me, we we did an American tour, and it was it was it was monstrous, really. It was my first American tour, but it was monstrous, you know, because he'd been playing uh, Long Island arenas and New York arenas and whatever. Yeah, and here we were playing bars, man, and we were in we were in a couple of bars in Texas, and you're playing. And you could look just to the back of the bar, and there was a guy in a bucking bronco, and they were all cheering the bucking bronco, but not watching the band. Oh God, yeah. And that must, you know, 
it didn't bother me because it was my first time in America and I was still getting to sing these great songs and I was getting to uh, sing with my favourite guitar player. And, and and we had a great band with yeah. John Michelli had replaced Burgie at that point. But that must have destroyed his soul. Because he, but the he last thing he said that, to me when they dropped me off at the airport was, I'm going to do Candy's album and then you and I will get together and we'll write the next Rainbow album. And I was like, inspired and this is yeah, great yeah, yeah. and this is, this is what we'll do. Um, of course, that never came to be, you know, because Blackmore's Night was something new and exciting for him and he found ex- he found joy and excitement in it, you know. And we did one more show after that. And, and and it was it was just over it was over for him and it was over for me. I think well I think he he escaped his past. Uh, I remember seeing him um, quite I think um, quite early on in Blackmore's Night, and I thought he's escaped from doing all these tracks. He hasn't got to be compared to to doing Highway Star over through his career. He'd, he'd escaped, okay. you know, in that in that respect. But but I mean there was there were some fa- fantastic songs on that album. Um, you know, Ariel, I think is probably my favourite. I think that was the last Rainbow Classic track. Okay. Um, you know, but you again, your your performance on there is fantastic. And of course, as we move on, this opened a whole world to you. Um, you know, so you might have Rainbow might have finished, but for you, it was just now the real start of your musical career. I mean, you also sang with um, John Lord and did one of his concerto couple of gigs, didn't you as well? Yeah, well, my my friend, he was my neighbour as well. His name was Steve Balsamo, and he oh yeah, did yeah, the, the, yeah. He did the revival Jesus Christ Superstar, and he, yeah. and it was yeah. amazing. He was amazing, and and he got involved with John. But then Stevie went off and went on tour with Elton John, and 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 he recommended me to John, and John said, well. Fuck, if he can work with Richie Blackmore, he can work with me. <laughs> we only we only did three shows, and I mean, they were, they, but we had a great time, and it, and it was a lovely time. I, I was I was never going to be replacing Steve because Steve was the guy. Yeah, you know? yeah. But but John needed someone, and 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 it was really good. It was really good fun, and, and three of the most exciting gigs I ever did because I'd never done anything like that. Yeah, yeah. That magnitude before. With it, yeah. Uh, but since then, you know, I've been, I've done orchestral tours in uh, Russia, Ukraine, Georgia, um, with uh, Dan McCafferty. From Nazareth and uh, and and Ripper Owens from uh, uh, Judas Priest, you know, and and it was a different discipline, you know, with 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 Richie and with Ingvi, it was you never quite knew what was going to happen, so you had to be on the ball at all times. Did obviously singing with an orchestra, stringed instruments. I mean. Again, although you're a rock singer, and as I've yeah. mentioned before about your light and shade, did you? Does it require a different, a different approach to even microphone technique and how you when you're singing with an orchestra rather than through, through a backing of martial amps? Is, is it different? Great, 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 great question. Yes, yes, it does because you, as a singer, what you have to do is you, you know. You 
if it's an acoustic set, even if it, even if you right, imagine Stargazer or Kill the King or whatever it is, yeah, done acoustically, you can't go out there and ball your head off because it won't make any sense. So you have to, you have to find a way around it. Now, luckily, um, luckily, I was able to watch what Steve did when he worked with John because he said, "This is what we're doing," and, and, and you know, yeah. and it was pictures, pictures of home. Soldier of Fortune and different things. And I could listen to what he did and then think, you got that wrong. I'm going to do that better. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Um, because it, we mentioned about, I mean, you mentioned Graham Bonnet, a great yeah. vocalist, but he's yeah. someone that even when it's an acoustic track, he still seems to, he seems to approach it as if he's singing a rock track. It's still kind of like, you can see the veins in his neck sticking out as he kind of, really forces that out whereas i think for what you did watching uh in watching a bit of footage of that you're you're more gentle it's like it fits in with the it fits in with the backing it's not just you're you're listening to the music not just yourself it's interesting you say that actually because i learn a lot from not listening i mean the listening thing I used to do a lot. Yeah. So you could so you could find the voice. I mean, there was no point in me listening to um, Iron Maiden or Judas Priest or Rush. I don't. You. I didn't have those voice. I didn't have that voice, yeah. right? But I could watch. I could watch singers singing and see what they were doing uh, uh, physically. And you ha- and 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 you're right about Graham. I mean, Gra- you know, Graham's a fool on machine all the time. Yeah. Right. I've even in even in rehearsals, you know, for doing rehearsals, he didn't need a microphone. It was just like, ah! <laughs> like Jesus. Okay. You know, so we all have our different techniques, but you learn the technique by listening to people. But I learn it also from watching people doing things. You know, and I can watch them and go, I the first time I saw Graham um, the first time I actually met him was at a Don Airy uh, gig in, in Don's hometown. And Graham was there and he was doing um, When a Man Loves a Woman. Oh, yeah. In, yeah. in, in the regular key, right? Yeah. And, of course, there's a mental key change. Yeah. And he was just, it was just rehearsals. And I'm thinking, fuck, he's never going to get this, right? <laughs> I was like, how's he going to do this? And I watched. And, and, and like you say, the veins and the neck yeah. just did that. And my God, he hit it. And it was just the most beautiful moment and a beautiful sound because he's got a wonderful voice. Yeah. Wonderful, wonderful voice. Yeah, fantastic. So after John, we got Inve. Uh, he did he get in touch with you because because of the he's he's a big Blackmore fan, isn't he? Always has been. I yeah, think, he's never hidden from that. And now he's, he, did he see you as thinking, oh, you know, ex Rainbow vocalist? I could this is he's going, this is going to be an interesting match. I met him. We done we done with Reggie. We done two nights at the Hammersmith Odeon. And and they have a green room, a bar up the yeah, stairs. Yeah, yeah, I know. Where the guy behind the bar does magic, and he was great. I don't remember what his name was, but he was brilliant. And 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 Engve was there with um, Uli John Roth. Oh, Uli John, yeah, from Scorpions, yeah. And 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 I went over, and 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 Engve said, and I'd never met either of them. And and Engve said, Uli, I'd like you to meet my next singer. You know? <laughs> and and it, and and. and 
It was it was your Mark Bowles had done the War to End All War album, then had been fired. They got Joran Land in to do the tours. Joran Land quit. Mark Bowles went back, and then they came over to the UK and. Uh, and, and and Mark's like, fucking hell, I'm not going to do this anymore. And I was like, okay. And so they offered me the gig. And when I went in, and, and Envy gets a hard time from a lot of his previous singers, you know, maybe because he didn't set the parameters of what he was doing out properly. Hmm. But he came, I, I, I flew into Miami and he said, look, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to write the songs, write the melodies, Write the lyrics, you'll sing them. Are you cool with that? And I went, okay, I'm fine with that. And and him and I got on so well, man. We played tennis every morning. You know, I just, you know, and it, we, we were together for seven years. Wow. Yeah. Seven, yeah, seven, yeah. I mean, we played six and a half years or something. You know, and and it and it was it, and and it was a great time, and we, we were really good pals. You know, and we just used to, you know, I used to go around to his house and, and you know, and we would hang out. He didn't, ha- he doesn't, Envy doesn't have pals, right? You know, I mean, he really doesn't. I said, like, this is a great house. It must be, here's your barbecue. It must be great when you bring your friends around. I don't have any friends. And it's true, he doesn't really. Um, yeah. But we, but, but we had a great time together. And then he decided that um, my time was gone. And I was like, that's fine. That's what always happens with these mercurial guitar players, whether it's Richie or Envy or Michael. You know, they change the singer because they think that's going to make shit different. And the thing is that it doesn't make shit different. It just means it's a different voice singing the same shit. Yeah. Ben, just just touching on the fact that you said that he said you know I'm gonna I'm gonna write the music I'm gonna yeah. write the words I'm gonna write the melody now as a yeah. vocalist you as a vocalist you're you're emotionally charged you're 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 interpreting those words and you're singing you're on stage did you at times leave the the melody and go off you know and ad ad lib or find yourself letting go and going somewhere else within the song when you played live then. Oh, live, yes, of course. Yes, yeah, yeah. But but in the studio, you just, you kept to the parameters. <laughs> right, are you ready? Yeah. You ready for this? Right, so what he did, what he used to do is, we had, I had the lyric sheet, and he would sit down, and Ingrid would sit down <clears throat> and play the guitar. So he'd go, bam, bam, ba da do da do da do da What's the blah, 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 I said, can you just play it straight like Blackmore did on yeah. uh, on uh, Made in Japan? Yeah. So we finally got it because Envy can't really sing, right? Yeah. I mean, he can he can sing, but it's not as a singer he can't follow what he's doing. Yeah, you know, because it's like, oh my god, what note do you want, son? Pick it. Uh, so, so that's what we did, but. But live, I could do whatever I wanted because he really didn't care. You know, it was all about him. I mean, we played in front of 55,000 people at Gross, uh, 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 Grass Pop with Maiden and Dio. And I did four costume changes in an hour just to amuse myself, to see if anybody would notice. Because all he did was just play guitar the whole time. Let's do I Am a Viking. 
one verse, one chorus, then a guitar solo for the next 15 minutes. I mean, it was mental, but it but it was good fun and it was a good learning experience for me. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And 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 it, I remember when we when we arrived there and we'd been on the bus for about two weeks or three weeks or something. And I got off and went to the to go to the toilet and I came back. And the, and the tour manager had given us all our passes and things, and we, and then we went. Where are the toilets? I was like, "Come on, I'll I'll walk with you." Yeah. And I had my pass on, and I walked up to the gate, to, and the guy said, um, "You can go through. Who are you? Where's your pass?" He said, "I'm Angry Malmsteen. Who the fuck are you?" And he said, and "The guy, the guy turned around to him and said." I'm the guy that's not letting you go in here until you go back to your bus and get your pass. <laughs> Fantastic story. Um, well, after after um, your seven years uh, there, you actually the next gu- big guitarist is Michael Schenker. But uh, when you when you were with uh, Michael Schenker, and obviously you're still, on, I guess that's still an ongoing story, isn't it? He could easily ring you up and say, "Could you come and sing a song?" Can. Yeah, it's an ongoing thing. I mean, was there a difference? This is, as you say, guitarists with a great reputation, depending on, you know, or lots of illustrious stories. How did you, did you just fit in playing, singing with Michael that easily? Was he someone else that said, I want you to do this? No, it was, Michael's very disciplined, right? So if the set is one and a half hours long, the set is one and a half hours long. And what he hated me doing was, was chatting. Between songs, it's just like he just wanted bang, 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 bang. Oh, wow. And I knew I was doing this interview with you today. So I was running through the, the, you know, the memory palaces because I knew you would ask me some of this stuff. Yeah. Right. I I, I was with Michael for 11 years, 10, 11 years. Wow. And um, I never once went for dinner with him. You know, I, I I used to hang out with Richie at Richie's house. I used to hang out with Amy at Amy's house. I've never even shared a bag of chips with Michael. Michael's a very personal guy because he's so focused on the music that he does. And that's his complete focus in life wow. is, is, is to play. And he has no... You know, he doesn't play golf. He doesn't play tennis. He doesn't, you know, he doesn't do anything like that I know of. Through 11 years of working with him, we never sat down and had breakfast in the same hotel. Never did that. Never did the pizza. Never did a curry. Didn't do anything like that. He's, he's sociable, but much less sociable than even Blackmore is. You know, because he just wants his own time and space to do what he what he needs to do in his head to make the next show the best show that he's ever done. And that's what makes him so glorious, man. I mean, he's just I mean, he's such an amazing player. And you know, when he when he when we're in the rehearsal situation or the recording situation, he used to come and just sit in a chair in the studio and listen to me do my vocals and go. That's good. That's good. That one's not good. Do that again. You know, and that's what and that's what he did because he knows what he wants. 
but he's he's a he's really as unique and in and a unique individual, and I like him for that. I love him for that, you know. But he revolves the door like all these guys do. Like I said earlier, you know, they just sort of you know they move it on. You know, he's got Romero in there now, you know. And before me, it was somebody else, and you know, so. Okay. It's it's an extra. He's an extraordinary man. A, a question. A question I'd love, I'd love to ask has just come to me is that musicians are creative people. Usually, usually we're very we're very sensitive people. Sometimes our our skin is paper thin. You have to you know, and you're bearing your soul as a musician. You've you've played with three characters you've just described there, who have been like, as you say, you never had breakfast with one. If this was like a normal job. And your boss, you haven't spoke, you've worked at the same establishment for 11 years and they've never said anything to you. I mean, you've got to be a certain type of character to be able to move, move in this kind of sphere and yeah. still feel that you're confident that I can do this. I'm part of this. Um, I mean, for, I'm thinking this, this question is for new musicians, new people thinking about this. It's not just like five guys or best mates going down the pub and then going to write some music and playing some gigs. I mean, what you've described is kind of like a sense, a, a, a way of work politics that norm, the normal people could not get their head around. And plus, being a creative person, you've got sensitivities, how you feel, your emotions, and stuff. Were there times when you, when you were on tour with any of these guitarists, where you thought it was difficult, you know, or, or you know, it was a challenge because you couldn't, you know, as I say, you couldn't sit down and say, "We need to have a chat." Uh, no. And I, I, I'll give you, I'll give you two. You see, I don't have a fragile ego. You know what you think of me is not important to me. You know what anybody out there thinks about me is not important to me. You know you either enjoy it or you don't. You know I am. So I don't have to hang out hang around with these guys. And mm-hmm. what I do is, well. When we were recording the Stranger, and uh, sorry, I'm going back to Blackmore That's again. Okay. But when we did the Stranger in his all album for my for my for my birthday. What would I have been thirty five maybe? And they gave me a wee bag with moons and 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 things, a wee sort of medieval bag with moons yeah, and stars yeah. and stuff on it. I just put my ego in that bag. It's not me selling the tickets, man. You know, it's Richie Blackmore. It's Ingvi Malmsteen, you know, it's Michael Schenker, and these days it's the name Alcatraz, you know. It, it, you know, so I just do that, I go, and I give it to my wife and I say, I'll pick that up when I come back. And, of course, she hides it for me for two weeks because when you've been away for two months and you come back, you're... what being on the road does for you, it infantiles you. You know, because it because you can't do anything for yourself because everything gets done for you. Yeah. You know, you know, the only thing you have to do is to make the only things you have to do make lobby calls so the bus doesn't leave without you. Yeah. Be in time for sound check, turn up, know your words, and don't be drunk or stoned. Right. Yeah. That's yeah, the four yeah. that's the four things. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. And with with Envy. The and and I toured longer with him on a bus, you know. I mean, I did three or four American tours with him, 
and he brought his wife and his child on the bus. Now, that was very, very difficult. Mm. That was really difficult because she wanted to rule the roost, not paying attention to the fact that we were, we needed a rest. We needed to be be able to just do what we wanted without a four-year-old or five-year-old child running around pretending he was Spider-Man, yeah. you know? So that was really difficult. And we'd do two months and I'd go, I'm done with this. And I'd be home for a month. And, and they phone me up and go, we're going to go on tour. I go, okay. You know, because <laughs> yeah. you just need you just need a break from it. But yeah. that that was the those times when Envy's family was with us on the bus and she was always around were very difficult because well him and I always got on well, you know, and and but there was always just an element of she didn't like anybody else, him liking anybody else other than her you know yeah. and 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 that made life that made life kind of kind of difficult you know i mean we used i used to have a video camera and it was back in the days when video cameras were very new and we didn't have iPhones and i would just and i would shoot footage and i've got video footage of her coming on and speaking to him telling me to shut the camera off <laughs> you know it's like just sit over there and let your husband enjoy his life and the fun that he's having without you being miserable and coming in and bothering us. Well, maybe that's why he didn't have any friends around. Maybe that's why he didn't have any friends around. Yeah. But before we come on to Alcatraz, um, I'm going to ask a question that hopefully is not difficult to answer. If you had to think of um, albums that Blackmore played on and Engvay yeah. and Michael Schenker, which albums would you pick as their your favourites that you don't appear on yourself okay okay anything by black black yeah, yeah right. would be anything, the, any, anything anything at all anything I mean, it doesn't matter no doesn't matter no um i know nothing about envy's back catalog i only i only learned the songs i was told to learn fantastic that's really interesting so you yeah. weren't even curious to go back no, you not just even curious no 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 not at all i mean i think that you know he wouldn't do heaven tonight because that was a joe lynn turner song although he would deny that right um great and, 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 well. and it's the same and it's kind of the same with michael i mean i bought the i bought the first a uh, michael schenker album on white vinyl because yeah. i loved gary barden's voice nothing to do with michael's guitar playing you know, I've been through times. Yeah, 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 yeah. I thought, wow, oh, now this guy's great. Wow. Um, I never saw UFO. I never saw Envy play live. I never saw UFO play live. Um, um, <laughs> and and obviously, you were. We started off the conversation with you being in the Deep Purple Appreciation Society. Yes, so. of course. <laughs> <laughs> that and the Bruce Lee one, but I mean, really, you know, it was it really wasn't. I I didn't know anything about. It. I mean, the same with the Scorpions when 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 we had Temple of Rock, which was the band yeah. that Michael and I had, um, together, and we wrote some great songs, man, some some terrific songs, um, and we had Herman and Francis from the Scorpions in there. You know, and I went down for my audition and started playing Love Drive and all this stuff. Yeah. I didn't know it. Wow. No, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, it was, it was, it never came across my radar. 
you know. I mean, the the, the classic, the classic um, UFO songs, you know. Well, my brother them. loved them. My brother yeah. loved them, and my mate loved them. Kenny Johnson loved them as well. It never really worked for me, you know. And that's not disrespectful. It's just because it was. I could. I was looking for singers, right? And and Phil Mogg's a bit like Frank Sinatra, where he sings in between the spaces on the keyboard, right? It's not, you know, he's he, he it's it's uh, there was nothing I could learn from him, or not that I couldn't learn. I know was, you mean. I couldn't do that, right? I couldn't do that. I could do David Coverdale. I could do Ian Gillen. I could do Glenn Hughes. I could do Lou Graham. I could do, you know, that's why I never get into Journey. I couldn't do I couldn't do anything like that, you know, which is a completely different spectrum of things. And you know, and that's why I never listened to Marillion. I, I was learn I was in a learning process, you know. And and so as far as I'm concerned, Richie works with the finest uh, singers ever, you know. Uh and you know, and then there were others that I found that I thought were just, my God, this, like Lou Graham. I mean, I mean, really, honestly, you know. So I guess, so you're obviously someone that's just in the moment. So you get, you you join a band and it's whatever's going to happen now. Yeah. Whatever's good, we're going to play on the, the new songs for an album or what's going to be in the set list. Beyond that, you you, you basically, you don't go there. It's not it's nothing it's not it's it's really it's really not my bag you know i just i just want to go on stage i write albums with songs that hopefully can be played live now you can't play them all no but and i learned a lot from working with 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 all these these three guys you know and and I've worked with other great guitar players as well and i've written great songs with other great guitar players you know, and and other great musicians, you know, but I'm defined by Rainbow, Malmsteen, and Schenker, and hopefully now Alcatraz as well. Yeah, and that's okay. That's okay for me. You know, my ego's in a wee bag. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, Alcatraz, I, me personally, you probably because you didn't, you haven't gone backwards in time, but uh, obviously, I remember Alcatraz with Graham Bonnet singing "God Bless" video with um back in the early eighties. That uh, was Steve Vai. Steve, yes, yeah, Steve Vai, and um, and was, yeah, that's right. And it was on a Kerrang VHS tape I got somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we Jimmy, all have them. Yeah, uh, Jimmy Jimmy Waldo and Gary Shee were used to be in a band called New England, who who were a band I really liked. But this new album by Alcatraz, mm. from a band that was very kind of American kind of AOR in the back in the time, is now really full on heavy metal, isn't it? And and it's not American heavy metal. It sounds to me, I could be wrong, but it sounds to me very European, very UK centric. Heavy metal, um, yep. a bit like I can hear a bit of except Saxon priest, um, bit of a uh, bit of uh, Iron Maiden in there as well. Is was there a, was this was there a vision that we were you were going to do a, a real heavy full on kind of UK orientated metal band album? I think that honestly, I think there was. I. I, I you know, Joe Joe's so pr- prolific with his writing, 
Yeah. You know, so you go, Joe, and you go, sorry, here's another song. You know, he just, he can just do that because he's, he's so gifted. Uh, uh, and his understanding of the song structure really comes from Jimmy. But Joe's the guy that comes up with the riffs and then they find a way to put it together to deliver to me to do whatever I want to do, you know. And and so that worked. And, I, you know, there, there's always going to be comparisons between, you know, no parole for rock and roll and whatever the other ones were called. And again, and it's no disrespect here, man. I don't own any of these albums. I only learned the songs because I had to. You know, I, you know, I, I, I came into the band, you know, knowing who Graham was, obviously, and knowing who who Envy was or Steve Vine was, obviously, but nobody else. I didn't. I didn't know Jerry Waldo or Gary Shea or whoever else was there. You know, you know, because it never crossed my 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 path. Would would that be because you were? I know you're not, but I just just want to ask this: that you didn't in any way want to be influenced by what had gone before? No, 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 no. It never crossed my path back in the eighties. <laughs> you know, it was the same when I joined Tank. When I joined Tank, they asked me to join Tank, and Algy, as we as we said earlier, yeah. had just died. Has just died. You know, and this Tank. I was like, okay. The only thing I knew about Tank was the logo. It was a brilliant logo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember you know, it very and well. And and I said, well, we, we want to write a new album. And I was like, okay, let's do that. And I'll go back and listen. Don't do what you do. We're inviting you into the band because we like what you do. And that's exactly what the Alcatraz guys did as well. You know, don't go back and listen to this stuff. Why would you want to do that? You know, we're not reinventing the wheel. You know, you can't do that. You know, guys of our age and our generation and our uh, genre can't reinvent it. You know, we can reinforce it if we want, reinforce that steel, that metal thing. But there's nothing you can really do to to, to change it. Um, and so it's just a case of send me through what you've got and I will do the best that I can with it. And what we decided to do, and it wasn't... They wanted to make it heavier, and I think we did. Yeah, you have. And I, I you know, and it and it was really a case of um just we have we have the the Alcatraz fans, which leads us to having the Ingve fans, which leads us to having the Bonnet fans. So and then of course of the purple fans and the rainbow fans and other. Why don't we just go out there? Make a metal album, a heavy rock metal album, and see if we can pull in the Iron Maiden fans, the Judas Priest fans, whoever, whatever, you know, whatever. And that's what we did, man. In in a way, what you're saying is really it's really inspirational in a way because I think one of the problems with with rock fans um, is that we kind of they're so fixated on looking at what everything that's gone before that when anything new comes along. That kind of it takes them. It's very hard to take the blinkers off and accept a new, a, a new change or a new direction for a band. When actually, what you know, think about for when we were younger, you want you were excited about what the next album would be by your favourite band because you wondered what they would come up with next. Yeah. Whereas I think, especially with heavy metal, people have thought, well, I, I want them to do that again. 
Yeah. And then I wanted to do that again. And I think this album, um, the opens with the track, is it Little Viper? And the last yeah. one, Bring on the Rock. Those yeah. two songs, those two songs that bookend this album yeah. are absolutely in your face rock songs. They're absolutely fantastic. You know, it's a bit like Accept and Firepower, Riff from Priest. Uh, they're just brilliant. Um, the well, whole band sounds absolutely shit. Well, thank you. Yeah. Thank you, because I mean that was a, that was our intention, and what we always do, and what we've done, because I've I've done two albums with them now, you know, and it's really just about we always re, we always write fifteen songs or sixteen songs, and we record fourteen or fifteen of them, and then we try to find the ones that sit together. Yeah, and some of them don't sit together, so that one has to go somewhere else. And we did on on the last album V. Um, or five, depending on how mental people are. The we had four or five songs left over from that, and we thought, well, well that's half the next album written. Yeah. But the thing is, because we're so because Joe and Jimmy are so prolific in writing and work so well together, mm-hmm. you know, Joe comes up with a, and Jimmy goes, maybe we'll move that bit to here, and maybe this is be better for a chorus. And then they send it to me. Um, there's a song on there called um, "Don't Get Mad, Get Even." Yeah, great right, song, right? Absolute brilliant song, yeah. Right, yeah. Well, that was that before we went into the studio to do my vocals. That was called "Batshit Crazy," <laughs> and they went, "You can't have that. Nobody will play it. Nobody will play it." And nobody can say the words over the radio or anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, okay. So one night, I mean, I don't know, I must have dreamt it or something. And I remember waking up in the morning and going, right, well, I'm going to the studio tomorrow. And I really want to do this song because it's really good, but they're not having the batshit crazy. And I just went in. 20 minutes, man, I had written that whole damn thing. You know? And when we went in, <laughs> when we went into the studio... The first day, it's just down behind Edinburgh Playhouse, right? Mm-hmm. It's a wee studio there. And he, he was a great engineer, Andrew. And um, we went in and I said, right, fire up batshit crazy. And they're like, oh, fucking hell. And I sang it and they went, oh, my God. You know, because it was completely different, lyrically, melodically. Yeah. And then adding girl school on. You know, yeah. on the on the chorus, yeah. some smart ass come up with that idea, but it was, but it just makes it really, really work, and it's such an accessible song. And then we have "Stranger," which oh, is um, it's that that's your Dio Rainbow track, isn't that it? Was, that was, I thought that was two different songs. Yeah, and they just merged them together. Oh yeah, that's the epic. Yeah, yeah, that's a, I couldn't I couldn't believe it. Yeah, I, because when it came through to me, it was "Stranger One" and "Stranger 2. And I was like, okay. So I worked on Stranger One, got it all together, yeah. made it all beautiful, big all beautiful, and then Stranger Two. And I'm thinking, okay. So I wrote a completely different thing. I mean, they don't. I don't know if they if they merge or they match or whatever, you know. But it was just they put they just took the two of them, cut them up. Stuck them together. I'm like, oh my god, it sounds terrific. No, it does it? That's uh, that's one of my favourite tracks on the album. That is um, brilliant. Yeah, absolutely brilliant. fantastic. Yeah, and 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 also, I think sometimes when bands pick a, a name for a track that's an, after them, like there's a track called Alcatraz. Yeah, you always think, well, you know, this has got to be 
this has got to live up to the name of the band, but it does. It, it, yeah, thank it, you. Yeah, it's another wonderful song. Another one of my favourites, of which there are many, um, is Power in Numbers, um, which because of Jimmy's keyboard, this is probably the most purple-esque track on there to me. Okay. I love that. Well, um, musically it was there, and, 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 and I had three or four different versions of it with the same chorus, but three or four different versions just to try and uh, get it get it to work. And it was really it was really written about the the rush. I was supposed to go and do a thirty six date orchestral tour with Uli and oh, yeah. Ripper. Uh, I think Graham was going to be involved in Russia. And the promoter was writing to me and going, okay, we're all, you know, we'll just get you sorted out with this. And I was like, have you no idea what's going on? She said, what do you mean? And I said, well, look, you guys have got 120,000 troops on the border of 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 Ukraine. Yeah. And, and her and I had worked together in Russia and Ukraine and Georgia. She's going, oh, that's just to protect ourselves from the Ukraine invasion of Russia. I'm thinking you've got no fucking idea. Yeah. And, and 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 so I just, you know, the minute the first tank or soldier stepped over the border, I just sent a message and said, I'm not coming. And and Alcatraz was supposed to play in Moscow Square, which is different from Red Square. And we were supposed to be doing that. And 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 I, you know, and I as soon as that first step went into Ukraine, I just said to the management, I said, I'm not going. Mm. You know, find somebody else, but I ain't going. And it's been and and so that's really what that song is about. Is is about, you know, we all have and it doesn't matter if you're being bullied at school by some asshole or if you're being bullied at your work by some asshole, you know. If there's power in numbers, we can stand against all this kind of nonsense. Hmm. You know, some of us will will not make it. Some of us will. But that's what that was about. And it's a and I think it's a powerful song. Yeah. The whole the whole album is very powerful and very um uplifting and life affirming. Um I think it's one of the best heavy metal albums I've heard for a very long, a very long time. I appreciate that. Thank you, man. Um it really, really is. So what are the plans? It's just it's just emerged out into the wild, uh, yeah. available on CD and vinyl, um, and and obviously people can stream it as well. But we want them to buy it. Um, and with the current with the the modern music business, um, you know, I mean, for you personally, as because you've grown up as I have through vinyl, then CD. Yeah. Well, I was young cassettes, which are, which for some bizarre reason have bubbled back to the surface, um, and and streaming. I mean, do you do you do you see the resurgence of of vinyl as being like a positive thing for musicians going forwards? You know, do you, are you happy to see them come back? I honestly, I don't know. I don't know. I I, I was <laughs> I was down at the opticians uh, two days ago. And one of the charity shops I used to like to go into is now something called Fop. Oh yeah, that yeah, that record shop. Yeah, I can't, I can't believe how much money they're charging for vinyl. Yeah, thirty-five quid. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. You know, I don't have a record player. I don't have a record player, and I don't have a CD player either. 
you know, I, um, I don't really listen very much. To yeah, music. You, yeah. You, 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 you said at the start of the interview, you don't really listen to music. I um, don't. But I think this, and I think that's really, I think that's really interesting um, because of that. You, that means that that's just something you do. You don't listen to it. It's not because of anything to do with your creative aspect to your writing. No, or, no. no it's just. I just don't. I don't. I don't. I mean, I will. I will stick on Diamond Dogs, or I will. Or, or I will. You know, because I don't have a record collection anymore or a CD collection. You know, it's all it's all digital here. Yeah. You know, you know the last band that I really enjoyed that 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 and I and I bought and I buy their albums is a band called Avatarium oh, from yeah. Sweden. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and and that's the kind of music that I love. It's what they do. It sounds like Black Sabbath, Uriah Heat, but with a girl singing it. Yeah, that sounds. And, she, and, and but the the melodies that she weaves over this sort of doom laden really? metal yeah. is astonishing. You know, and and and, and you know, I, I I don't know where it's going to go, and and you know. I, I don't know how long I have left here to do this. You know, I'm 63 now. So in 10 years' time, if people... I, I'll stop doing it when people stop calling me up to do things. Yeah, because um, nobody knew, did they, how long this was going to go on for. When we no. used to watch, we were in the mid-70s watching a documentary on The Who where it said they've been together 10 years. And yeah. we were think, <laughs> thinking, wow, a band's been together mm-hmm. 10 years. Yeah, uh, you know they're nearly forty now, uh, yeah. and and now we've got like Ian Hunter's just released an album at age eighty three. You should get what point? Uh, you know, people, but I've seen lots of other ba- bands from the mid eighties saying that's it, I'm done, and now in their mid sixties. Well, I think it's when your audience dies off. You know, yeah. I, 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 you know, I think you know the thing about bands like Maiden and ACDC and Kiss. Yeah, is that it doesn't matter if they're five hundred years old. It doesn't make any difference because they, because for some reason they manage to attract the 15, 16, 18, 20 year olds. Yeah, they replenish you know, the audience. And it there are there are some bands who you know where the audience will be as old as the band members, so they won't be around very long. <laughs> I mean, you know, do you think, do you, I mean, I'm not being rude here. Well, I am. But do you really think that any 15-year-old is going to go out and go, my God, I can't wait to hear Genesis Lamb lies down and Broadway played live? You know, I mean, it just doesn't, there's an era. There's eras, you know. Yeah. I mean, I went, I went and saw James Taylor about six, eight months ago, you know, and I'd, yeah, I was probably the youngest person there. You know, yeah. Uh, I, 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 but so, what I think what we're trying to do with Alcatraz is to bring. Uh, can we get younger people to be enjoy to to come into this and enjoy it and buy into what we're trying to do? You know, I and, and I, I believe you, you can because I think the sound of a of a of a guitar through a Marshall amp at turned up to 11 with a singer with his hands on his hips with his throwing his head back and singing um bring on the rock rock um is going to appeal to anybody yeah well, the world well, the world needs that 
Well, I think I, I I don't think I don't think you're wrong, and I think Stump's a brilliant brilliant guitar player. You know, he's kind of you know he's he's known kind of a, as a wee bit of a shred master. You know, and people love him for that. But my God, he's got more he's got more in his pot than just that, and it yeah. shows on this new album. It's, it's you know, yeah, it's, his guitar playing is astonishing. Larry's drums, you know. It's the first album Larry's done with us, and and you know he's he, he's from New Zealand, so he's got a funny accent, which is kind of annoying. You know, he's, he's <laughs> well, he messes his vowels up. Why do they do that? Aussies and Kiwis, the their vowels are just all over the place, and it just annoys me. But, but he plays drums really well. I don't talk to him very much. <laughs> so where where can people? Are you planning a tour? I mean, is that the um, plan? We're going to we're going to be going to South America and America. We just we just finished touring in uh, in February there over yeah, here yeah. in the UK, and the record company brought the album forward from September to now. Uh, I had no say in that. We have no work during the summer. We've got one one festival in France. Um, I don't know why they did that. It's not for me to question. These guys know what they're doing. But no, we don't have anything over here. We've got uh, the US and South America, and that's kind of pretty much what we have. Uh, and then, but what we're doing now is, <laughs> I wrote I wrote to all the guys in the band the other day and, and thanked them for inviting me into the fold and told them how well they had all done and um, you know, ruffled a few feathers and things, and then just said, "So fuck off and start writing the next album." So the stuff's already coming in, you know. So we'll we'll be starting to write the new album, you know, in the next couple of months. Have, have you and, got? And uh, have you? Are you doing while well, while you've got this kind of down? Well, it's not so much downtime if you're working on what could be the follow up album already. Mm. But have you got other projects going on at the same time? I just do. I, I I'm go. I'm going to. I I leave for Greece on Thursday. I'm doing a Harley Davidson festival under my own name and with some fantastic uh, Greek players. I'm going to go and do that, and and then I come back and then I'm going off to Bulgaria to do some shows with some great Bulgarian musicians, and then I'm come and and then uh, what else am I doing? I'm supposed to go to South America as well to Ooh. do, uh, you know, Peru yeah. and uh, Argentina and Brazil and uh, uh, and Colombia and, and places. So we'll see if that that comes off. Um, but I, you know, I'm a singer. I like to work. I'm not precious, man. I'm not a superstar. You know, I, I'm a working musician, like, like most of them out there. You know, and and. And, and and oh, and I'm going. I'm I'm going out to do a, a a tour with some Italian guys just before Christmas, um, with Rowan Rowan Robertson, who used to be in in Dio's band, uh, or a lock up the lock up the wolves. So I'm doing. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm doing two weeks. I'm doing two weeks with him in December. Then we have Christmas off. Then I'm going to go go and do two weeks with them again, and that's all through Europe. That's the Czech Republic and Poland and and uh, Bratislava and whatever. Yeah. So finally, well, coming to the end of the interview now. But you've, obviously, you don't listen to anything that's gone before. But when you go out on your own under your own name, yeah, and you put together that set list, 
Yeah. It must pull together the history of Dougie White through the times. Yes, it does. So so what songs are always in your set list when it's you going out? Okay. Okay. Um, Well, it it changes Mm -hmm. because every time I do a new album. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. you know, now Blackmore. Did, so Blackmore didn't play on the last tour he did with the 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 less than Rainbow, except yeah. for Romero. Um, uh, so I do Black Masquerade. Oh yes, great. I do Ariel. Fantastic. I do Too Late for Tears. With from the Schenker collection, I do Take Me to the Church. And a couple of others, I can't remember what they're called. And then I do a couple of tank things as well oh. um, that, that I wrote. Um, and then I do Cornerstone, which was... Yeah, I yeah, yeah. Couple, I, I, I do a couple yeah. of Cornerstone yeah. songs. And then I, I chuck in a couple from a solo album, which was called As Yet Untitled. I, I, I chuck a couple of them in. Uh, you know, I only do songs that I was... On the solo stuff, I only do songs that I wrote, you know. And the only one out of all of them that I didn't write is Ariel. But I helped with the creative process of the song. You know, it was an acoustic song that Candy and Richie had written for, well, it would have been a Blackmore's Night song. Yeah. You know, but... uh, but I managed to get get them to put the riffs together the way that they needed to be. But and it's a, Candy's lyrics and and just and and sorry, go on. It's a one, but it, that that song again. I'm just talking as a fan. Yeah. Um, that 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 song to me is made because it is powerful and so memorable to me as one of the last Rainbow classics because of your performance, because of your phrasing of the words. And okay. how the words come to the words come to fruition, and, and in my mind, in my imagination, because of how you deliver that. Well, I mean, was that so? Uh, was that your melody, or was it already? Did it already exist? It's it, it, Candy and Richie get credit for writing it. It, it, it. Candy wrote the lyrics. I just adapted the, the 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 vocal rough vocal melody she gave me to do it, and. Um, and I, <laughs> this this will sound mental, but I, I I got bits of tape. I was recording Richie while he was doing this, and 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 he was just jamming, and I just got the tape bits and put them together to make the riff and stuff up, you know, because it was in, it was in three or four different parts, and my job was to record everything. And so he was just playing on the stage himself, you know, and 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 I just and I got it and just went. This is a great riff, man, and we should have this bit here. And he just went for it, and it just it, it, it kind of worked. And you know, if you listen, to, I I still have the tapes of the original um, version, um, but I just had to take it somewhere else. You know, I took it I took it somewhere else, but it's a bit like Joe Cocker taking little help from a friend. Yeah, he didn't yeah. write it, but he just did something different. He made it. he made it his own. Yeah, and that's so, a, yeah. And that's and that's that's kind of what I did with the song. So to answer your question in a sort of long form way is that yes, I do all these songs, but I'm involved. I wrote them all with other people, yeah. except for Ariel, which 
you know, I kind of made my own. And Temple yeah. of the King, which I kind of made my own oh, now as well. You you, you have you indeed. Know. And I think, I, I think you're, as I said at the start of the interview, I think your interpretation of that um, Thank you. Is, is beautiful. I think so too. I think I think so too, and and we play it at the end of the arc. I don't know whether whether we'll do it in the last the next tour, but we've always played it at the end of the Alcatraz tour as well. Oh wow! And it just and it and but it, it it's so emotionally charged, and it and it and you can just I can just look out there and I've never seen so many. Men, metal men, with tears running down their face, unashamed, unashamedly. I, I, well, I, I know how they, I know how they feel because the other thing, what I is, I remember buying the original Richie Blackmore Rainbow album in 1975 yeah. from where I lived in Birmingham, in Sully Hall, Mel Square, from W. H. Smiths, and I'll be honest that as I went through the album, Temple of the King was the track I thought, oh, ballad. <laughs> and just kind of moved on yeah. but over the over the years as of as we get older as rock fans or whatever or musicians yeah. the song has taken on a totally different feel and i think the way that it came about with that last incarnation of rainbow with you in it yeah watching that that um the dvd i mean because blackmore used it as a as a platform to really show how he could play exactly just stood still Without yeah. you know throwing shapes, just play and use the way you sang it. I think yeah. it became laser etched in lots of blokes of a certain age's brain, so yeah. that whenever we see it played live now, with yourself, good self singing it, we start to cry. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it, 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 it was. I I I just I just finished a, a solo tour through Europe, and I could look out into the audience and you just tell them. I don't know what the song's about. No. Right? I've got no idea what the song's about, but it's the emotion that comes from the performance of the musicians on the stage. And I look out there and I say to them, this is what we're going to do, you know? And this is... You this get... is for those we've loved and lost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because and... you don't need, sometimes you... You don't need to know what the words mean, but the the sound that you that the voice makes and the guitar makes almost creates a new dialogue in in the listener's head. Absolutely, absolutely, and it re- and it really does. And the audiences the audiences respond so beautifully, you know. And I have you know big hairy bikers, and we. 19-year-old girls in frilly dresses coming up and they've got tears in their eyes because what I try to do when I do the solo shows, you know, is, 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 you know, come off stage, go and wipe my face, comb my hair, go out and see, you know, however many people it is that have come to see me play, mm-hmm. you know, and, and go and share some time with them. And, man... I should, I should, I should actually just on the mer- I don't have merch. I don't do merch, right? I've got a, it's a Scottish thing, but I should really have a merch table just with handkerchiefs. Yeah. Oh, so they can all just dab their eyes. Yeah, yeah, and embroidered with Dougie White in the corner. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking about paper ones for boots, man. <laughs> <laughs> we want souvenirs. 
Dear God. <laughs> well, well, Dougie, where's the best place for people to find out about what you're currently up to? Do you have a, a, a... I just have a Facebook. I, I have yeah. a Facebook site. I've got a new website that's under construction, but it's not it's not ready yet. Okay. So it's just it's just do it's just Doogie White. I mean, it's a wee, it'll be a wee picture of me in the corner looking handsome because we always <laughs> put handsome pictures up, don't we? We do. It's we a do. bit. It's a, you know, it's a bit like going on a dating site, and then you turn up and it's like, oh my god, is that really you? You know, so so it'll be a wee handsome picture of me on the on on the corner. It's Doogie White. Okay. Well, yeah, I, that's that's all it is really. Well, I shall stick that in the in the um, description on the YouTube channel and on the website as well, so people can find you. And so hopefully you'll be inundated with new with new fans wanting to know um, whether they need any paper ham- handkerchiefs to listen to you do temporary. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, All listen, right. then. It, it, what a, it, that's been lovely. It's been lovely to chat to you. And and thank you for the interesting questions as well, you know. And 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 you know, people normally people have questions and they just ask them, then they go to the next one. But I mean, that was a conversation, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yes. Thank you. Well, thank you very much. That's that's very kind of you. So, um, well, thank thanks very much, D- Dougie. Thanks very much, and best of luck with the album. Um, thank uh, you. Which is out oh. now, everybody, and you need to buy it. Um, here it oh, is. There's the vinyl version. There's the vinyl version. Can you see it? Can you see it? Yep, yeah, yeah, that's nearly, it. Hold. Oh, it's nearly. Yeah, nearly. nearly. Oh, that's okay. I'll put I'll put a picture of it up in the in the description. And happy, happy boys in the back as well. Of course. Okay. But that was magic. Thank you so much. No, thank you very much. Are you much. going to go and play Made in Japan now? <laughs> uh, not probably not at the moment. I'll probably. Okay. Um, I think I'll listen to the new Alcatraz album. Is thank what you I very do. much. That'd yeah, I think that's what I'll do. Well, thanks very much, Dougie, and uh, I'll hopefully talk to you again soon so thank you very much for watching the naspini magazine podcast with me phil aston and a special thanks to my guest dougie white and don't forget to listen to the new alcatraz album it's absolutely fantastic i'll put details um below in the description and on the naspini magazine website to how to get in touch with dougie white if you want to know more about his career and other albums he's played on but that was absolutely wonderful conversation so i hope you really enjoyed that so check out the naspinning magazine website at naspinning.co.uk to make sure you keep up to date with all our latest posts and videos and of course subscribe to the podcast and youtube channel so take care everybody keep spinning those discs remember music is the healer and the doctor and i shall see you very very soon